Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. Purdue picked up two more Big Ten wins this week to hold serve in the league standings and improve to 19-2 overall. I'll break down the win over Michigan and then in much more detail the win over Rutgers today on the show before looking big picture at a few things Purdue basketball as Purdue heads into a much more difficult week that will go a long way into determining this year's Big Ten champion. Plus, I'll answer your questions and close out with some thoughts on the future of the Big Ten tournament and an interesting trend in Big Ten football. Real quick, if you don't already, be sure to follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. You can always send in questions there. Uh, tweet them to me, DM them to me, or you can email the show, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And as we enter the you know home stretch of the regular season here, if you enjoy the show, five-star reviews are always appreciated. And more than anything, if you know of people who want to join the Purdue basketball conversation, want to talk about it, send the show their way. Um, I you know always want to grow this thing. I appreciate all of you who have been around over the last four years. But let's get into this week's games. Uh, Purdue 99, Michigan 67. Just a blowout win on Tuesday night for Purdue. Boilermakers follow it up with a trip to Rutgers, a place that has haunted Purdue in recent memory. Uh, the Boilers get their first win in six years there. Purdue 68, Rutgers 60. Let's get into these two. I'll start very briefly with Michigan. Let's face it, there's not a ton to say about a 99-67 to butt-kicking, for lack of a better term. This thing was over early on in the first half. You know, Purdue takes a 24-point lead to the locker room, a game where, you know, Purdue had chances to put up 60 in the first half. Purdue had a stretch where it could not make a shot at the basket. Purdue does that, and... This thing's even more of a blowout than it already was. But, you know, Purdue just thoroughly dominated Michigan. Michigan shoots 33% from the floor. That's not particularly good. Um, you know, at a very quick point in this game, Michigan looked like it had just quit, that it had had enough. And that's what you typically see from teams that are in a spot where Michigan is, where it's, I don't want to, you know, I don't like calling for coaches to be fired, but Jawan Howard is very clearly on shaky ground up there. Um, I shouldn't say I'm calling for coaches to be fired because I really don't care, but Jawan Howard's on shaky ground there. That's a team that seems to progressively get worse every year under his watch. That's a really disturbing trend. Um, it's a disaster. You know, the Doug McDaniel suspension is just bizarre. When Purdue goes up there later next month, they'll see Doug McDaniel. But, you know, what's Michigan going to look like? Because this thing is getting out of hand quickly as they just lost by 10 at home to Iowa yesterday. But Purdue did exactly what you want to see Purdue do to a bad team. Uh, that's what Michigan is. It is not a particularly good team. It is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Purdue treated it as such. Purdue was miles better coming into the game, and Purdue showed that on the floor. And then Purdue goes to Rutgers on 
Sunday, uh, and I'm recording this an hour after the game went final. So if any, you know, any news breaks or any press conference clips, I, I haven't heard yet. But I wanted to get this done before the football games get going too much, and so I don't have to record it at 10 p.m. after the Lions game. This isn't, you know, this wasn't a great performance by Purdue. It just wasn't. Much has been made about Rutgers and the problems that Rutgers has given Purdue over the past few years. And it very much is a stylistic thing. You know, Rutgers wants to play defensive, physical-minded basketball where Purdue is much more of an offensive-based program. Um, You know, Purdue reached a breaking point where you know, a little under a decade ago, it made the switch to be, okay, we're going to be an offensive-based program. We're not going to have these problems where we just can't score like Purdue did uh, in 2013 and 2014. And it's gone well. But at times, you do see those styles clash, and Rutgers has gotten the better of Purdue at times. Purdue got off to a great start, you know, 21-7. to Purdue's feeling really good about where it's at. But as is always the case... When Purdue turns the ball over, things get dicey. And in this game, Purdue turned it over 15 times. That's 24% of Purdue's possessions that ended in a turnover. That's very, very problematic. When you are factoring in that Purdue scored on 50% 50 of its possessions, but it turned it over on 24 of them, I mean, that's only 26% of your possessions that ended in a missed shot. That's that's not great. You know, Purdue has to be able to take care of the basketball better. You can analyze this all you want, and I can sit behind this microphone and talk for another 25 minutes like I'm going to. But if Purdue doesn't turn the ball over, it's really hard to beat. When Purdue turns the ball over, it opens itself up, itself up for stuff like this like the dude with the rec specs for Rutgers getting hot on you and torching you on baseline out-of-bounds plays. Um, Rutgers forces turnovers well, but Purdue didn't help itself out here. You had a a 10-second call. You had an over-and-back call, which seemed sketchy, but oh well. The point still stands. You had Mason Gillis travel on the same play that you know, Purdue's had a travel called on four or five times this year at least where he catches the ball in transition on the wing and travels. That's not new. That's something that's been a problem multiple times this year. That's not to harp on Mason Gillis. He's been tremendous. He, was, he had a great game for Purdue, but that's something that's happened on f- multiple occasions. You'll have some turnovers with Zach Eady. You just will, but... Purdue has to be better at taking care of the basketball. On the positive side for Purdue, this game was played exactly how Rutgers wanted it to be played. It was ugly. It was a little lower scoring. It was not exactly the cleanest, but you know, give Purdue some credit here because Purdue didn't play well. It shot poorly from three-point range, 5 for 19. Uh I'm, I don't have any stats to back this up, but I think that's right up there with Rutger, or with the Northwestern game for Purdue's worst three-point shooting performances of the season. Thankfully for Purdue, Rutgers is just terrible on offense. 
This is a really, really offensively challenged Rutgers team. 37% from the field, 25% from three, eight for 13 at the foul line. It is what it is. It's not a great Rutgers team. Um, Purdue did not play well, but Purdue goes on the road, comes away with a Big Ten win. You know, there's something to be said for that. Uh, you got to you gotta take that and at least have somewhat of a smile on your face because it's not easy to win on the road. Purdue's now 4-2 and two on the road in Big Ten play. That's, you know, that's really big. Um, it's easy to stack some losses on the road in Big Ten play. And when Purdue started off 0-2, or 1-2, excuse me, it's now rattled off three in a row on the road. And that's that's a positive development. Uh, with that win, Purdue's four-year seniors, Zach Eady, Mason Gillis, Ethan Morton, have now won in every Big Ten arena. I don't have like stats in front of me to know how common that is. Like I saw in the game notes that Purdue's 2021 class did that, which now that I'm trying to remember back, who even was the 2021 class? Um, yeah, I don't know. Not, not coming to mind here. But like I don't remember if Vince Edwards and that crew did it. I don't remember if Jawan Johnson, Etwan Moore, Robbie Hummel did it. But nonetheless, that's a real accomplishment, especially now. You know, these guys only played twice at Rutgers. Um, it's not, you know, it's not like you get a ton of cracks at all these places outside of Indiana who you play every year there. This week, you know, just some takeaways from the week here. Whatever little slump Braden Smith was in, that's officially gone. He goes perfect from the floor against Michigan. Uh, four for four, 11 points, seven rebounds, 10 assists. He was wonderful in that game. And then against Rutgers, very, very good game from him as well. Has 19 points on 7 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3, 6 points, just 2 assists, uh, probably his lowest total of the season there. A really good game. And you saw him late in the game when Purdue needed a basket, he goes right to the rack and scores. Uh, and that was a time, I don't remember what Purdue did, you know what the exact situation was, but maybe it put Purdue up six, maybe it put Purdue up eight, but it was a big-time bucket to help Purdue put that thing away. On a day where Lance Jones and Fletcher Lawyer did not put together great scoring numbers in the backcourt, Braden Smith did, and when Purdue needed him the most, he stepped up. Uh, he has a little bit of that in him where these road games, these hostile environments... I think he's starting to raise his level of play a little bit. I, I think he relishes that to a degree. He's a really, really competitive dude. You saw two very different games from Lance Jones this week, but there's no denying the value he brings to the table. Against Michigan, he leads Purdue with 24 points and just was excellent. Uh, hits five threes, really, really active, has a huge game. And then on Sunday, nothing's falling. He goes 1 for 10 from the field, 0 for 6 from 3. Finishes with just 4 points, though he did hit a couple of free throws late that were big. 10 rebounds for Lance Jones. He's not a big dude. 10 boards is a ton. 8 assists. I don't think he's done that this year. Has 5 steals. And the one that sticks out, 
of course, is right after he misses a three, uh, Northwest or Northwestern. What am I doing here? Rutger, Purdue puts it back, I think. Um, and Rutgers is inbounding the ball or trying to get the ball up court. And he jumps in front of the pass, steals it, lays it in. That's really, really active stuff where you're not letting a missed shot get you down. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that. You can just tell, and I tweeted this during the Michigan game, you can tell he's having fun out there. You can tell he's really enjoying it. And, you know, I know Brian Newbert over at Golden Black has brought this up, but, you know, it's he's bringing some joy to a season for Purdue that could have very easily gone without it with some of the pressure that's on the team to to succeed in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's no different than what Purdue fans listened to with Tim Brando all afternoon today. You know, the entire last five minutes of the game were just talk about the NCAA tournament. And that's kind of the, you know, the cloud that's hanging over Purdue's season. Because even though Purdue's 19-2, and two, even though Purdue's number two in the country, that's not going anywhere. And Tim Brando didn't let you forget it. But Lance Jones has really brought a, an element to this team that, you know, is, is making the present very enjoyable. Zach Eady poured in his 2,000th career point on Sunday. You know, I, I say this all the time, and I, I won't harp on it, but you'll see other great players come through Purdue, but you will never see a story like this unfold. Just the combination of the way he was offered, you know, after other guys told Purdue no, and he's kind of the last resort to have barely played basketball before he gets to Purdue. The growth he's shown from freshman year to senior year to just dominate the way he has to to all, you know more than likely at this point win two straight national players of the year for the first time since the 1980s. You're never going to see anything like this again. Uh, celebrate it, enjoy it. It's truly special. And on a day when you know, he's facing off with the best defensive big man in the Big Ten in Cliff Amore. All he does is make 75% of his field goals for 26 points, pull down 12 rebounds, and block four shots. It, Cliff Amore did a great job on him, as good as he could have done, but Zach Eady was just inevitable, and that that's special. Purdue stays in a good spot in the Big Ten race. Purdue's eight and two at the halfway mark. Uh, Wisconsin seven and two, or excuse me, seven eight and one, eight and one. It's only played nine games, uh, so Purdue's a half game back. But Purdue's doing what it needs to do here. Wisconsin keeps on winning, but Purdue gets them twice. Purdue is still in control of its own destiny, and a positive for Purdue: six of its last ten league games are at home. You have two really tough road games with Wisconsin and Illinois, and then you have Michigan and Ohio State on the road who are not exactly world beaters who are dealing with some coaching questions. Nationally, I think Purdue and UConn seem to be in a league of their own right now. I'd throw North Carolina in that mix too, but you know, nationally, uh, Purdue is right in that top tier. There's no doubt about it. It's in a wonderful spot at this point uh, as you know we're about to enter the month of February. Uh, it's producing 
as good of a spot as it could possibly have imagined it would be in at this point. So this week, uh, Purdue's got a really big week ahead of itself. First, you get a chance with you know for some revenge with Northwestern. Early tip on Wednesday, 6.30 start. Northwestern's a pretty different team away from Welsh Ryan. It is a really, really good team at Welsh Ryan Arena. I don't know how great it is away from it. Um, but nonetheless, it's on a bit of a heater right now. You know, just beat Illinois in a really, really big game, um, big time atmosphere. You know, I'm sure most of you saw it. You know what was going on there. Uh, they're getting into Terran Shannon, big time atmosphere, but they bounce back and just annihilate Ohio State, uh, who not very great, but still. You know, to beat Ohio State by 25 points and to be up by 35 at times in that game, quite impressive. Really quite impressive. So, uh, Purdue's going to get another shot at Boo Booey. You can't let him go ballistic on you. I don't know that Northwestern's going to shoot 50% from three again. Uh, Got to handle the pressure that Northwestern's going to throw on Zach Eady, throw on Purdue's guards. You do that all right, then you should be fine. Uh, if you don't, then you're in for a tough one. But uh, you know you got Macchiarino on your side, and that's that says a lot for Purdue. And then it's possibly the biggest game of the Big Ten season so far. Uh, Purdue goes to Madison on Sunday to take on Wisconsin. Wisconsin does not beat itself. You can you know this is one of those classic Wisconsin teams where you look at it and on paper. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing out of the world. It doesn't have a Frank Kaminsky on this year's team. AJ Store is tough. You know, Wall and Crowell and Chucky Hepburn. I mean, you know, you know who they are. Max Klesmet's been really good, but it you can't go up there and expect Wisconsin to beat itself. Purdue has to take care of the basketball. Purdue has to shoot fairly well and just not make Wisconsin earn everything because Purdue will Purdue is the better team but when you're on the road you have to play really well to win uh, you can't do what you did at Rutgers and expect to win at Wisconsin not that I expect that but just something worth noting um big week you know this is a week where if you're Purdue this could go a long way for winning a Big 10 title or, you know, this week could put them out of Big Ten contention. Uh, you don't want to look at that too early, but if you have a bad week, this gets really difficult. Wisconsin has to go to Nebraska, so, you know, who knows? That's not an easy place to win. Um, but we'll see what happens. A big week. Getting into Q&A here, uh, first question, which future game will be the toughest test for Purdue? I think you can just put those two road games against Wisconsin and Illinois on there. Again, as I just said, the Cole Center, really tough place to win. You got to play well. Uh, Wisconsin's going to be very fundamentally sound. And then with Illinois, that's Illinois' senior night. It's a different Illinois team than the one you saw when they have Terran Shannon Jr. back in the lineup. He's a very talented player. As of right now, he's still finding his groove coming back. He's not shot particularly well, but you know he's got a month before that game to heat up a little bit. 
those fans do not like Purdue over there. Uh, Illinois fans have been on one with this entire situation with Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, Twitter's been an ugly place lately with those folks, but um, you know that's going to be a tough game for Purdue. That's going to be a really charged up environment. They don't like Zach Eady. Uh, they don't like Purdue. So that, that's going to be the most hostile environment Purdue plays the rest of the way. There is no doubt about that. Next question. How will Matt Painter and staff work Miles Colvin into the lineup more, knowing they will need his athleticism and scoring in the NCAA tournament? The listener notes that we all know the defensive issues that Miles Colvin has. I guess in general here, I don't know that I really agree with the premise that Purdue needs him from a scoring perspective. I mean, sure, you can never have enough scoring out there. That no coach is ever going to say, oh, we have enough scoring. But, you know, right now, I pulled these stats before the Purdue-Rutgers game. But going into that game, Purdue was ninth in the nation in points per game, you know, just scoring on offense. Only three power conference teams were ahead of Purdue. Kentucky, Alabama, and Arizona. Purdue's beaten two of those teams. Purdue ranks number one in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Uh, Not anymore. Now that Purdue lost to Rutgers, it's now number two behind Alabama by uh, four-tenths of a point per 100 possessions. So, um, nonetheless, Purdue's one of the best offensive teams in the country. I, I just don't know that I think Purdue is really lacking from a scoring perspective. It's it's not something that's really plagued Purdue. If anything, it's the turnovers. And I, I don't know that he brings like a ball handling element to eliminate turnovers. You know, when he's out there, he's mostly a spot-up shooter. And he'll attack one-on-one some, but it's not like he's out, you know, running offense and, and handling the ball. With athleticism, yes, you know, Miles Colvin's really athletic, but it's about channeling that. Um, you have to be able to handle the ball to really show off athleticism. You know, you can go hit him for alley-oops, but, you know, he's still adjusting defensively, still adjusting as a ball handler to a degree. I just, I don't know who he plays over at this point. You know, Cam Heidi has been really good as a role player off the bench. Your three starting guards have been great. They're they're all playing really well for you, and they can all handle the ball at a higher level than Miles Colvin can. Ethan Morton's a plus defender, doesn't turn the ball over, brings some value there. Uh, he's played a lot of basketball. So I don't think it's as much about Miles Colvin that he doesn't play, but it's about the other guys on the team. And I don't know that Miles Colvin's time is now. We'll see. I could be wrong, but my hunch is that we won't see much Miles Colvin uh, this year. But if you get in a game like Alabama, a real free-flowing game with not a whole lot of set stuff being run, then sure, you know maybe maybe that's a matchup where you get him out there some. Um. All right, two questions here from Brian. What did Purdue different do differently today to help secure a win that has been such a different one on the road in the past? I mean, Purdue did not play particularly well at Rutgers, so it's not like I'm going to say that, you know, uh, 
Purdue uh, did all sorts of stuff. But in the last few minutes, Purdue tightened it up. Purdue didn't turn the ball over. It got to the foul line. It made shots. Um, Also, it's just not as good of a Rutgers team. You know, there's not a Ron Harper. There's not a Cam Spencer. There's not a Geo Baker. Those guys gave Purdue a lot of problems. This Rutgers team doesn't have that. Amori's a good player, but he's not a big scorer. Not against Zach Eady. Um, That's kind of where I'd go with that. But Purdue also got off to a good start. And when you get off to a good start, you're up 14, you're up 13 at halftime. With how challenged Rutgers is offensively, you know, you're in a decent spot to where they really have to string together made shots, something that they don't particularly excel at. Um, what is it about playing on the road in college basketball that makes it a completely different game? Uh, how can Purdue work to best minimize the effect of poor shooting and turnovers in games on the road in the future? Is this due to coaching or just a natural effect of playing on the road? I, I think the latter there. You know, you're in a hostile environment. It's tougher to tougher to communicate on the floor. Uh, it, you know, this isn't meant to sound overly Purdue Homer here, but these environments that Purdue is walking into have been buzzsaws. Uh, teams are fired up when Purdue comes to town. You know, this is the this is the effect that big time programs go through. You know, when Kansas comes to town, when Duke comes to town, uh, long ago when Indiana would come to town, it's not necessarily the same stature in terms of you know national sustained success. But uh, teams are fired up when Purdue comes to play, and that's been something that Purdue's really seen. I it just comes down to turnovers. You know, you saw it in Purdue's. Most hostile environment of the year at Indiana. It doesn't turn the ball over. With that, you know, Purdue has a better shooting game, but Purdue didn't turn the ball over. It could have missed some more threes. It would have been just fine. It all comes back to turnovers. Should Caleb first still be getting minutes? I understand he's a good kid, but putting up another minus number in the plus minus leads me to believe he should consider a grad transfer spot to finish off his career Always take plus minus data for what it's worth. I There's some real value to it. There is. But you can't take everything f- from it. Keep in mind, he plays most of his minutes without Zach Eady on the floor. So that skews things relative to everyone else on the team, without a doubt. But the offensive struggles have been real. Uh, he has not quite replicated the success as a three-point shooter that we saw him have as a true freshman to the point now where he really doesn't shoot many threes. Um, He's not a real skilled low post scorer, you know, in the way that Zach Eady has a hook shot in the way that Trey Kaufman Wren is really creative at getting to his spots with his right hand. Caleb first doesn't quite have that. He, he rebounds well at times. He did not have a great rebounding game, he only played two minutes today, but um, you know he's a good athlete. He does some nice things defensively, but you know let's face it, he's Purdue's fourth guy in that forward mix. I think he probably plays the right number of minutes. Uh, he doesn't play a ton, but someone's got to be in there. You know you can't 
can't just run those three guys out there the entire game, I don't think. That, that would be difficult. Um, in terms of whether he should transfer or not, I mean, I'm not here to tell him what to do with his career. I think Purdue's going to look a lot different next year without Zach Eady. Maybe what Purdue does on offense will look a little bit different, fit some of his skill set better, use him in some ball screen action, get him rolling to the rim. Um, but we'll see. You know, Time will tell. I think it's a little early to start speculating on that stuff. How about Cannon Catchings lighting up overtime elite? How much weight should I put on his performances in these games? He looks uber athletic, but the defense and rebounding in these games is absent. Would love your thoughts on what abilities he can bring to a Purdue team that hasn't seen an athlete of his caliber. Yeah, great athlete. Uh, you see it in these viral clips of him, you know, like a putback dunk from the other night, alley-oop stuff, uh, getting to the rim. He's, he's a great athlete. He, he's the true wing type of guy that Purdue hasn't necessarily had since, you know, like a Vince Edwards or Robbie Hummel. I can't claim to watch a ton of overtime elite basketball, but yeah, I mean, it's not a, there's not much defense. There's not a whole lot of offense being run, like not a ton of sets. I mean, it's just, it's NBA stuff. Um, so it'll be an adjustment. You know, you watch, you can look at Purdue being very structured, but so are a lot of other teams in college basketball especially the Big Ten. So playing in structure on both sides of the ball will be an adjustment, but he's going to get every chance to play early on. He's that talented of a player. He he joins an interesting mix of guys at that spot, you know, that two through four, but we'll see. Um, I, I think he's going to, you know, he's got a really bright future ahead of him at Purdue. And, you know, he's a type of national recruit that Purdue has not really had a whole lot of. A um, couple of random questions from Brian as well. What is the perfect viewing experience for game day atmosphere? He wants to know about food selection, beer selection and temperature, proximity to the TV. Yeah, I mean, you got to have good food. I'm a grill guy. So if you can get a grill going, that always helps, you know, get some wings going, grill some pizza, burgers. I mean, the world is your oyster there. Buffalo chicken dip in the oven, you know, all the good stuff. I got to have good beer. Uh, as I age, I've become more and more of an IPA guy. 19-year-old me would be remarkably disappointed. Um, yeah, you got to have multiple TVs too. I mean, that's the that's the key. College football, college basketball, it's really hard to only have one TV. And then he asks, you can only have two Buffalo Wild Wings sauces for the rest of your life. What two are you taking? Discontinued sauces can apply. Give me hot barbecue and jam and jalapeno. Great stuff. couple of notes I wanted to talk about here on the way out. It was a little John Rothstein news dump on Thursday or Friday that moving forward, only 15 teams will participate in the Big Ten tournament. And this, uh, you know, this is news that doesn't exactly shock me. The logistics of it make sense. I, I have no problem with it. Like, it's not like I'm losing sleep because the three worst teams in the Big Ten aren't going to be invited to the conference tournament. But this just further proves some of the absurdity of what we're doing here. 
if you have a league that is so big, a conference that is so big that not everyone can go to the conference tournament, what type of conference do you have? I don't like it. It's where we're at. Um, you know, this isn't like it's brand new. Like the Ivy League only has four teams in the conference tournament, I think. Um, college baseball, like the Big Ten only has eight teams in the conference tournament. Uh, one thing, though, I'm very glad from that news dump that the league is not going past 20 conference games. I'm a huge proponent of having buy games be a part of college basketball. Um, those athletic departments need it. They do. The NCAA is a weird, like Division One is a really weird organization because you have the Purdue's and the Indiana's who sell out every game, who have wild support, but you also have them playing in the same division as the University of Southern Indiana, as IUPUI. Like, I'm four miles from Indiana Farmers Coliseum right now. I have never once heard anyone say they're going to an IUPUI basketball game. I don't think people go to them. I live in Indianapolis. I've never heard anyone talk about IUPUI basketball. But this is all in the same division. Like, And there's nothing wrong with that. There, There is nothing wrong with those programs having the ability to exist. But to do so, they rely on the checks from buy games. So I'm glad that the Big Ten is not going to 22 or 24 conference games. And we'll still at least have some of that. And then, you know, just a final thought here. I think the college football coaching carousel is finally done with Sharon Moore taking over at Michigan. And if you just look at the Big Ten, you know, a league that's been historically known in football is very old school, very smash mouth. Some of this is from the, you know, the addition out west. But look at some of the coaches in this league now. Sharon Moore is a really young guy. So is Ryan Walters. So is Jonathan Smith at Michigan State. Dan Lanning, Lincoln Riley, some of the hottest young names in the sport. But emphasis on young, they're incredibly young. P.J. Fleck's been around a while. Same with Luke Fickle. They've been coaching for a long time. But they're not old guys. Um, who am I forgetting here? Ryan Day is not exactly old. Um, it's a really interesting group of coaches in the Big Ten now. You still have plenty of old dogs. You know, Greg Schiano's been around forever. So is Kirk Ferentz, Brett Bielema. Matt Rule's kind of in the middle there. Chip Kelly, you know, has been around a while. But look, it's really interesting. Uh, the future of the Big Ten is going to be really interesting in football uh, because you have some really, really interesting mixes of coaches. Um, and that, you know, just very interesting. Um, but that's all I've got for today. I appreciate you all spending your time with me. As I said in the open, if you think someone would like the show, I always appreciate it to get new listeners, to hear from new people. Feel free to reach out on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. Email the show, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. I'll be back here next week, probably Sunday. Maybe there's a chance it's Monday after Purdue, Wisconsin. We'll see what the week looks like. It's a big one, but follow along on Twitter and we'll talk about it all. 
Until next time, guys, take care. Have a great week.